Hi, and welcome to a different kind of gap year podcast. You are with the founder and creator, Shan Swells. Most of us take a gap year in our late teens or early 20s, but not me. I started mine at age 41. For 20 years, I was either working towards or working as a clinical psychologist. And one day in February 2021, I had a complete breakdown. I was mentally, emotionally and physically exhausted and unable to keep working. Looking back, I can see my mental health decline was a gradual build over time, culminating in the events of February 2021. I know now that what I suffered from was a combination of career burnout, compassion fatigue, and quite recently I recognised vicarious trauma. To assist with improving and healing from this breakdown, I started to write a blog, really a journal about my experiences. And you can find this blog at our website, www.adifferentkindofgapyear.com. In this uh, journal, I write candidly about my journey from the beginning to right now. And I write about things such as the shame and guilt that I hold towards my clients and and towards my husband and ex-colleagues with leaving the way I did. I write about the uncertainty and anxiety that I feel around my future. I also write about my psychotherapy journey as well and healing from the trauma. Besides the blog, I knew quite early on that it would be helpful for me to talk to others who have had this experience or are having this experience. So with this in mind, I started to think it would be great to have a podcast where we have these conversations and share it with the world. And my thought was to do so will help raise awareness and and hopefully break any uh, stigma associated with our health professionals, our helping professionals suffering as well. Almost be a springboard for change in the community attitudes so workers in this area can get help as well. I think what could be more important than the, the health and wellbeing of our caring professionals It's like they say in the plane briefing before you take off that you have to put the mask on yourself before assisting others. Thank you for tuning into a different kind of gap year podcast episode two. Today we have my brave friend, ex-colleague and helping professional Trisha Whipple joining us. She is my very first guest, other than myself of course, to share her story on her mental health and career. Trisha will guide you through beautifully her journey from beginning to now, sharing her wisdoms along the way. I hope that Trisha's story enriches you or your loved ones in some meaningful way, which I'm sure it will. So welcome, Trisha. Thank you um, for your willingness to come here today and share your burnout experience with us. I really appreciate your willingness to do so. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, again, thanks for the opportunity to, you know, to share, hopefully, can be relevant and you know it's not too melodramatic (laughs) (laughs) hey well it's your story I'm really psyched to to get the chance to be able to sit down with you and 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 hear about it so maybe um 
start with um, letting us know a little bit about your, your job experience in, the, in, in your profession. Um, just a little bit of background. All right. For about, um, I suppose, 25 years or longer, uh, I originally started at university back in the 80s and studying psychology and I thought, oh, maybe I'll go into education, but I didn't want to do that really. Mm-hmm. I've done a bit of travel overseas and when I've come back, I've gone into um, you know, sort of volunteer counselling with Lifeline and mm-hmm. continue on and become, you know, I did a, like a diploma in social welfare and mm-hmm. then started a, a Bachelor of Social Work at University of New South Wales. Yeah. I was living in Sydney, so I've sort of worked in, in a number of areas, you know, working in counselling, crisis counselling, homelessness, drug and alcohol. Wow. Um, asylum seekers, I did a placement there, um, working yeah. with adults with disabilities, whether it's, um, you know, developmental disabilities or physical disabilities. Um, then I've come up to Queensland just in 2000 mm-hmm. when I grew up here. Mm-hmm. But I left here a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, worked in child protection, youth work, youth justice. Then I've gone into research in health justice research. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the longest job I've had, and that's where I met you, when mm-hmm. you know, I was working with um, uh, the Queensland Quickline, so working yeah. you know, on that area. Mm. Um, and now I'm no longer, <laughs> I've left. Yeah, no longer in the field. You've had, yeah, a huge, diverse career in the helping professions there. Like a lot of, it sounds like a lot of um, client-based work, a lot of face-to-face with a, mm. a variety of services, you know, and, and a lot of frontline, I like to call frontline, just, you know, with the, um, you, yeah. you mentioned their homelessness uh, um disabilities, uh, lifeline, you know, a lot of crisis Mm. um, and and a lot of vulnerable populations, I suppose. Um, And you were working with that client base. Yes. What was that like? Well, I I mean, I've always sort of fancied myself as a practitioner. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I never wanted to be behind a desk, Mm -hmm. you know, directing or anything like that. I, you know, Mm. I I sort of thrived at the coalface to an extent. Mm. yeah, much much more identified as being a practitioner. Mm, I'm mm. not going to write policy and procedures. <laughs> mm-hmm. I tried to, but it's <laughs> not your thing. Not my thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I I kind of identified that as well, and mm. I realised I there there was a need for me at that stage to feel you know relevant that I could help. Mm. So you're going to see very early on if you are helpful or not mm-hmm. um, and you know I'm grateful for the opportunities because I had such a diverse experience I mean I, I, mm. I've got to add I even worked for the Department of Justice and Attorney General here for several years and wow. I mean I'd be in the tribunal you know um, I worked in adult protection with adults with impaired capacity and you know yeah. just you learn so much about yourself about thinking on the mm. on the spot about developing rapport, getting on with people, mm. understanding systems and you know, um, what's out there, understanding need, mm. um, unmet need as well. I think yeah. that, that's the, the other thing. So I... Um, but I've left it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, come, and we'll come to that. Yeah. But, so, yeah, you've, you've had such a rich exposure and, and you mentioned there 
quite if I'm drawn like to that sense of that helping wanting to help people or, or yeah just uh, I suppose I'm interested in finding out a bit more what drew you to that yeah, my work. motivations yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it, truthfully and I've had to do a bit of actually quite be quite introspective and do my inner work on mm -hmm. that I think it was because I did have some trauma earlier in my life and mm. um particularly with my family of origin. Mm -hmm. And um, I sort of wanted to understand mm. things. Then I somehow that got caught up with my esteem needs that mm. I wanted to feel valued. And I also wanted to feel empowered so I wouldn't be vulnerable again, you know, mm. to, to that sort of trauma. I could understand things a bit. It didn't quite work out that way, but mm. I stuck it out. I stuck it out for a good while. You said 25 years. It was 25 years yeah. thereabouts. Yeah. And um, I remember there's that cartoon character, Mighty Mouse, mm -hmm. and his, you know, his battle cry is, here I am to save the day, and I've, I kind of over-identified with that quite a bit. So. Yeah, as, <laughs> as, as a practitioner, yeah, you know, yeah. and that... that as you said, you've done that inner work of, of exploring why and, and, and mm. understanding how you came to the profession. And I, I think as human beings, we're always just trying to find the best way to survive or, or, or thrive or support ourselves. And, and you mentioned there about not, uh, might be getting these words wrong, mm. but not being vulnerable again, you know, to that trauma. And so part of that moving into that career direction was was supporting that you know yeah. and, and the mighty mouse yeah like here to save yeah. the day it's a very quite well, yeah. protective position in a way like yeah. of, of you know looking after yourself I, I, you know in, yeah. in a ways yeah, yeah. And, and and it did you know mm. it did serve its purpose mm. in mm. many areas and, and I'm grateful for that sometimes mm. though I wasn't I was like you know this <gasps> is pretty shit but um yeah. But I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful to come through it. Um, it's beautiful too. You know, because I, I felt so, towards the end, I mean, we're talking from maybe 2013 onwards mm. in the last five years, I, I would sort of go, this all feels a bit contrived. Mm. That, like, if you're given such and such a condition, such and such a condition, you know, that I noticed other people, some of my colleagues perhaps had come from similar experiences in their in their background or their family background mm. and you know like they call that wounded healer type of thing as mm. well mm. and I'm like I don't want to be the statistic I want my life to have more meaning than being a set of circumstances that lead me to this that seemed far too deterministic mm. for my free-flowing yeah. you, know, you know natural way of yeah so I didn't know. want to be in this healing profession because of what I've been through, mm. the wounded healer. Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, this is, uh, that's what felt contrived. Like, I don't yeah. want to be that statistic. I want, if I'm choosing healing as a career, this, yeah. this, I want it to be about meaning or purpose or whatever yeah. for you as a person, as a human, not because of my circumstances yeah. and, and the trauma that I've, I've been through. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'm getting yeah. that right. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. A, that's a great summary. You're very you know, good but, at the summary. Well, yeah, yeah, that's counselling. Yeah. <laughs> counselling skills are still there. Yeah, tick. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thank you. When, when, when you start using the words "tell me more," though, you're going to get the glare. Well, how, how do you feel? <laughs> how does that make you feel? <laughs> the age-old question. <laughs> we can but, laugh uh, about it, which is beautiful. 
So, um, I'm, Trisha, hopefully I'm not jumping here. Um, that I was just curious as to when you, and I think you're starting to talk about this anyway, when you started to feel like this wasn't, something's going on here with my own health and well-being and it mm. doesn't quite feel, oh, yeah, what, whatever that experience well, it, was. It doesn't and, yeah. feel authentic. Yeah. It just really didn't feel authentic. It feels like I'm just playing out a bunch of symptoms mm. and that it's all out on paper and mm. it's not, and it's not showing the rich diversity of my own life, mm. of my own experiences. And I, you know, I did not want to be put in a little box and mm. I was putting, I was putting myself in that little box mm-hmm. and becoming frustrated because I didn't enjoy the workplace where I was. I, mm. um, and then I'm like, is that... You know, it's like mm. that Peggy Lee song, is that all there is? And it's like, mm. no. Um, mm. But it felt so engulfing and so restrictive mm. that that was causing its own set of stresses. Yeah. Um, so those uh, signs were like like a detachment from what you were doing. This mm. doesn't feel authentic. This doesn't, it just feels like I'm playing a role. Mm. Uh, and those were your signs that something's up here, something's amiss between... The yeah. work that I'm doing and who I am or... Yeah, or, it, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like my I knew my well was running dry and it had mm. been for a mm. while. Mm. I just sort of hadn't felt that I was really... I hadn't quite hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And I was summoning up all my reserves to get me through each day. Um, but it mm. was... I could have... I could have compassion and and show compassion for my clients, but mm-hmm. I wasn't having nor showing that for myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't do that anymore. It was like, is this going to be, mm-hmm. this, this can't be my death knell, this can't be the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any answers either. You know, mm-hmm. what was I going to do? Because I kept sort of looking for mm-hmm. things to, you know, stay within the field because it had become part of my identity. Yeah, and 25 years and, and yeah. your identity, what, what you, yeah, yeah, who you saw yourself is. Uh, as, as, yeah. <laughs> grammar yeah. is just yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so you're sitting here going, yeah, at the time, things aren't right here, my well's dry, mm. um, I'm still able to be compassionate to my clients, but there's no compassion coming back, but where do I go? What do I do? Yeah. And, uh, within the field, because that means something to me, and, uh, or, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Well, I, well, I do, because mm. I do get my... I get my, what was it, the word druthers, I get my esteem needs from mm, it. Mm, mm. And, you know, I'm the friend that people can come and talk mm, to, you know, because mm. Tricia will listen. Yeah. And, but it just, I could not do that anymore as that. I didn't feel authentic anymore. I, um, mm. I didn't want to be... What's it, is it inauthentic or? I don't know. What's the opposite? Unauthentic. Unauthentic. We'll go with that. I didn't want to lack it anymore. I didn't want to show up mm. and not be there fully. Mm. Um, so I felt kind of like a fraud. And then I'm trying to talk myself into going, yeah, well, you know, you don't look at people. People mm. haven't caught, you know, they, they can't see through this, this ruse. No one knows. <laughs> no yeah. one knows. No one knows. But you knew. I knew because I was hating myself every day I had to turn up to work. I was going through driving the 25Ks. They're going, I could easily do a U-turn. Uh, how oh, am I going to get sure. through? You, you know, pull yourself up. You can, you can do this. You can do this. But at the same time, the work had changed as well to mm-hmm. something I didn't agree with. It didn't... Mm-hmm. 
didn't link into my values anymore. It had become, rather than a counselling, it was a call centre and this adherence model Mm. and, you know, dumpster fire algorithms and KPIs Mm. that treat clients as a commodity and staff as a commodity and just promote, Mm. you know, low morale. So on top of that, where you were at already, the work system changed too to a, 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 a style that wasn't conducive to yeah. to you and, and therefore, uh, you know, toxic, yeah. not like negative and, and, and yeah. amplifying the suffering you already were under yeah. um, in, in your experience there um, as well. Yeah, it, it just mm. didn't fit with my values yeah. anymore. And then, and I think that was the last thing, the last That's sort true. of shreds that I was holding on to that, mm. look, this is this fits in my with my values again. I feel like I'm making a contribution. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling like I'm, I'm valued mm-hmm. for that, but in effect, I wasn't really being mm. feeling that valued. Yeah, and certainly the pay wasn't there either. <laughs> so it was it was struggle street. There was no po- there was no uh, positive. It's not the right word. There was no attributes at the time of that, or very little in that work that sat right. Yeah, know. the one thing that was really getting me. Th- well, a couple of things. One, my colleagues mm. are just absolutely wonderful. They're mm. just amazing people. Mm. But even then, we were limited in contacting each other because there's this awful adherence method mm. or an adherence model sort of method. It's and a, massively busy. Yeah, massively, massively busy. yeah. Like, you can't yeah. come up for air. Um, and so that didn't allow that quality time to uh, to discuss or just talk with your colleague. I, I remember that, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I started in that in that mm. service when it was quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then to have no time, um, to it became quite solitary. Mm. So if we're suffering already and finding it really hard to connect with the work for you know all those mm. reasons externally and internally, it, it'd be very lonesome. Um, yeah. And and. and more soul destroying, yeah, um, as well. If I, I just couldn't summon it anymore, mm. and I was trying. You know, I was always sort of even shaming myself. I was a bit on a shame spiral of mm. like, you know, with Carl Rogers having, you know, unconditional regard for the client, and I was mm. like, all right, you've got to have this, mm. You, mm. because that was the other thing. As I said, my client or the clients, sorry, the mm. clients, uh, sorry, the, my colleagues. Yeah. But it was the clients as well because I could just mm. sort of focus on the next story and be present for that person for the 20 or so minutes because, of course, you know, they're, they're trying to say, don't go beyond that. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, part of this counselling relationship with mm. somebody vulnerable is developing rapport mm. and trust. Needing that time. Yeah. So it's interesting what you said there, Tricia, too. Mm. Like you noted um, that compassion for others whilst your well was dry, but that lack of compassion for yourself and even one of your ways to try and cope and I can relate to this one too is is you know that shaming method you know um which we're all geared to do um you know kind of just you know, push through come on you should be able to do this be this there for your client you know but that uh lack of compassion inwards um is certainly something to think our listeners and, and, and I know myself mm. can relate to and, and how that can pull us further under and now yeah. well eat, dry up even more. Yeah, that's, um, I, I love the I term know, yeah, yeah. by Brene Brown. It's a sh- you know, shame spiral. Yes. And yes, it's hard to, or, mm. or whirlpool, you know, it's hard to 
pull yourself out of it. Yeah. You can, oh, you can mm. see it coming up going, oh, I'm going to avoid that. Mm. But that's all I was doing is dodging it. Yeah. Dodging it by, by keeping busier. Yeah. Um, you know, let's get all my, you know, sort of boxes in, in lined yeah. up and tick and flick, you know, again, this sort of dumpster, your dumpster fire algorithms mm. and tick and flick. Mm. And it didn't fit yeah. and I couldn't fit. Yeah. So... Yeah, what did you do? Yeah. I know. Well, I I have quite quite the healthy ego, <laughs> who's going. Well, screw them. I will. I will do everything I can to fit, but mm. I just couldn't. Um, all the while I was feeling devalued mm -hmm. to the point of being discarded, mm -hmm. and I'm just like, I I can't do this. So mm -hmm. there'd been a, a quite several stresses in my personal life as well mm. because I'd I'd had. And my father had a, a terminal illness and mm, had become a quadriplegic and had to go into care. And at that stage, oh. it was just me in the country because we're not from Australia originally. Yeah. My dad's from America. And I'm, I'm it. I'm, wow. And then, you know, sort of going to work as well, that was kind of became a little bit of a refuge but despite <laughs> those sorts of conditions yeah. being there anyway. So I was. So it was a refuge from that stress yeah. and that emotional, uh, of yeah. course, upheaval and dealing with that. But then it wasn't necessarily, even though colleagues, like you said, were quite yeah. supportive, but there was also some unsupportiveness, if that's word, or unsafeness yeah. of that workplace too. But it, it protected you from the other stress that you were going yeah. under with your dad and, and dealing with all the emotions that came with that. Like, yeah, because yeah. that's um, one of the interesting interesting thing but like when we're experiencing uh mental health stress in in, in our work it, there could be other domains in our life mm. like our family life where mm. uh our relationships where things can be really bad too mm. and and how that compounds what mm. we're going through with our work career life as well like it's it's often mm. not just the or it can be just the work career life which mm. <laughs> yeah. you know is enough as it is but it you know that there can be stresses in those other important areas of our life and you were going through that with your dad at the time yeah and it, being the sole person to for you, you to be there for your dad yeah yeah I mean it was hard because he had a, a terminal illness that affected his immunity mm. and so well, he was immune compromised mm. so he would get an infection and that would escalate till mm. he's on he's in a coma mm. by the time I've got to an accident and emergency with him 2 a.m in the morning I'm there wow. And then I'm there till 6 a.m. till he's come out of the coma and then I'm starting the shift at 8 a.m. Yeah. At, at, at the quit line and I'm just I'm trying to keep it together and, yeah. and then go back, you know, rush straight back to A&E or where, mm. he, he, you know, I think he had 17 presentations at accident and emergency. Um. It was just, it, well, it, it is what it is, you know, yeah. that, that's... But it's that's, that... That, sorry to interrupt yeah. you there, uh, Tricia, but like that, I just see this this care going out for everybody else. Mm. You know, being there for your dad, and okay, it is what it is, but but that reality is all. There's all that care, compassion, energy that you have mm. for your clients, and when you're present there at your job, but then when you're home uh, and, and it's there mm. for your dad and and, and presenting mm. with him when, whenever. He needs well, he was to in be. care at that stage. He was in a nursing home, but he was you were his person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and he was, was in high level care, and 
This is your dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your and 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 my relationship him, with him hasn't been that great for for, for yeah. you sort of kind. So add but, that complication yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, there's a part of you that's going, my well is dry. Mm. And, and, and I don't have anything for me. I don't know if there was that conscious awareness. Actually, it wasn't. There, there was no, that no. <laughs> well, that's, that's why I gave you that look. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I didn't even think that back then. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't at that level, at that stage of awareness. And yet, yeah. you know, there's other times I can be very aware, really spot on, but not mm. with my own stuff. I'm just like... Jeez, you know, some practitioner you are. <laughs> oh, and then, oh, yeah, then the shaming that the comes shaming. with that. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> like, it's like, hang on, you're a psychologist. You know, why aren't you, you know, compassionate towards yourself? You're, you're like, oh, oh, God. Oh, I don't know. I sort of, you know, I kind of missed that bit, didn't turn up for that lecture. <laughs> yeah. Or was there a lecture on there that? <laughs> I think that's part of the problem. I, I remember years ago having to do this, you know, there was a component that we did which, which, which was on burnout. Okay. So we knew, but, you know, just Sven, the Swedish master, wasn't going to cut it anymore. No. (laughs) No, And as we've come to know. But, yeah, Yeah. that wasn't around there, but there there was an awareness, you know. Well, they alluded to it, yeah. yeah. But uh, I was saying, like, the things that you were aware of is that disconnection with your work, the workplace feeling devalued, the, the, the emotional upheaval with dealing with your dad on so many levels there and his health, and it was all culminating in, in mm. um, yeah. Uh, well, not, it kind of mm, did. It, mm, it, it did culminate mm. because, and I'm okay to share this, but mm. uh, six years ago, mm. almost to the day, I had two strokes, mm. and I'd never had anything like that in my life. Two very small blood clots got caught in my deep brain, and mm-hmm. that's caused by an irregular heartbeat. That can be brought on by stress or caffeine, so I can't do too much. Or alcohol, so I can't drink too much. Mm. Or sun or dehydration or a combination. Mm. And um, so mm. I um, was in, presented in hospital within 20 minutes, but I was diagnosed with a migraine and sent home. And I'm like, and then I, my, it deteriorated over the next few days. And I presented back in going, I need an MRI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got it and it showed where the damage was. Now, it was in my deep brain, so that doesn't affect my thinking, my cognitive mm. or any of my cognition. Mm. You know, my, it was, it was a you know, deep posterior okay. um, thalamus. Yeah. And um, occipital, so I had sort of floaties on my, mm-hmm. on part of my left visual field. Okay. Um, so, but something changed within me from that. Okay. I, I guess it's that sort of stuff, you know, when you're sitting on a or lying on a hospital gurney and you're noticing that you've, you know, you can't really feel part of your left hand and you're going, you're bargaining, going, oh, I don't even want to do this again. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want this again. And we realised it was caused by um, a, a, an irregular heartbeat that can come on. It's just a, it's an atrial flutter. Something that was pre-existing, yeah. It oh. gets there, yeah, okay. and it's a little bit more... I've had to have two ablations, but it grows back. It is what it is. But it sounds like this was a turning point for you. It it was. Being there on that gurney, going through this. I was bargaining like anything going, you know. You know, that whole sort of, um, you know, with stress. And Uh and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, how am I going to recover from this? Am I going to recover from this? Yada, yada. And I don't want to do this again. 
oh my god I also know that if you have a stroke you know the the chances of you having another one and I've got two or like oh. oh what did I do okay how can I prevent this happening again okay and, and how it, it's still that it was an awakening as such but it's been more of a gradual sort of Thing. So it wasn't like it wasn't an awakening of okay, that's it, walking out of my job and <laughs> changing everything. But it was it was no. the start of a gradual process yeah. for you of change. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, and it was. Tell me more about that. No, tell me more. <laughs> Sorry, tell me more. It's it's okay. it's such a practitioner. <laughs> I knew it as it was coming out. That's why I was laughing. No, it's all good. Uh, yeah. So um, I also you know. When I was studying psych in the in the eighties mm. and and all that, we were told you know the brain stops developing at twenty nine, and, mm. and you're like, oh, geez, well, I better make the most of it, mm. <laughs> most of what I've got. But we now know about neuroplasticity, mm. beautiful thing, the brain that heals itself, and it is beautiful and it is soulful. Yeah. It, it, um, so I noticed. You know, as soon as they realised it had been two mm-hmm. strokes, once yeah. the MRI confirmed that CT mm-hmm. scan hadn't showed up anything, mm-hmm. but they were looking for a bleed, not two very small, fine clots yeah. in the deep arterioles. So um, anyway, they ran me through a battery of tests, you know, psychology, uh, sort of cognitive tests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, the physiotherapist comes on board uh, and occupational therapist, and then they run you through. And, and I was like, I was blitzing them going, well, this isn't really like me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I noticed I was becoming quicker about things. Mm-hmm. This is sort of gradually in the, in the days and weeks after the strokes. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that before, I, if I was watching something on television, it was funny, I was a little bit blunted or stunted. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't laugh out loud or mm-hmm. I wouldn't even smile. I'd, I'd absorb, it, absorb it, but I wasn't going through. Yeah, and that was prior to that the That was strokes. prior. Mm-hmm. But since that, I am I get the I get the punchline very quickly, mm-hmm. and I I'm my thinking is quirky and quick, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean I'm brilliant or anything. That's not the case. It means I'm just picking it up a little bit more yeah. and um, thinking things quickly through. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I can I laugh out loud. Yeah. Um, also, I'm quick to tell people to f off as yeah. well. So, yeah. Yeah. which is like. Yeah. So I went to my neurosurgeon mm-hmm. and I, I had done this um, chart as well to show mm-hmm. over the, the four months the progression mm-hmm. of how my, my um, symptoms had eased and my body had started to mm-hmm. improve. I was really quite organised about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no one's ever done this. And I'm like, yeah, here's even a little legend. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, but well, I'm interested because I'm, I'm picking things up quicker. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, is it, you know, can it bring out some sort of latent giftedness? And he goes, yeah. no, but let me go and speak to my colleague. Mm. And they've gone, had this, you know, conferred with his colleague. And meanwhile, I'm on his computer looking at my brain because I had done brain and anatomy at uni. Mm. So I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Cool. That, yeah, that's yeah. okay. But trying to understand yeah. these changes you're experiencing, what's mm. happening here? And we know the yeah. brain is so complex and... Mm. and you or, or you or you knew that there'd been a shift, and these yeah. were the behavioural changes. And what's going on here? And asking the professionals in the the brain, knowing a bit yourself, of course. Um, oh, no, just yeah. a little bit too much knowledge. That <laughs> I'm a danger to myself, not anybody else. Yeah. But he's come back, and he goes, "No," he said, "We've checked. That's 
that part of the brain that was affected and, and altogether actually is damaged because mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it is, it's, you know, it's... Okay. it's yeah, the bleed, it, it, yeah. yeah. It's that, that part of that, those little parts of the brain, which it's microscopic, but they're, mm. they're dead, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to feel loss about that one. <laughs> but, of course, yeah. But he said, it, your part of the brain it, that could be affected by something like that, we're talking cognition, and mm -hmm. that's not that. He okay. said, your brain, that's, that's fine. This, your, that stroke did not affect your mm -hmm. thinking. He said, it's not that, it's your soul. Mm. And I remember I'd shared that yeah. with you before, but it was, and I was like... Oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> but it was almost, yeah, mm. I had no reference point for that. Mm -hmm. It's just clearly my soul likes to, you know, laugh and, yeah. and tell people to F off if I have to. Yeah. <laughs> it well, was, it's, yeah. it's almost like, and I know we don't quite understand yet how all that interacts with the body and mind, right? Like, but that... For me, like just hearing you say, like sitting on that gurney bed and, and you know, having experienced strokes and, and bargaining there, that mm. just that psychological shift from mm. that can then bring about those changes as well. Like, mm. I, I mean, I don't know the science behind it, no. but that, and, and to me, that speaks to that soul almost like the soul bargaining as well. It's just like, oh, hell no. And now the soul being like, I'm not going to take this shit, you know, I'm not going to no. deal, you know, well, I'm not going to deal with that person. They can just F off and, you yeah. know. And but it really like, did. Yeah, it was connecting you because, like, yeah, I don't want this for myself anymore and, and and not being blocked by all that other stuff that might have been blocking that before and why you were so blunted and, and, and yeah. you know. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know if I'm it, making sense of that No, properly. no, no, it's right because I think, yeah. you know, the bluntedness or the stuntedness, the sort of, Affect kind mm, of thing. I just like down, depressed. Yeah, but I, I couldn't have even said it. Flat. Yeah. I was flat, but you wouldn't have picked it up on me because you know I'm, I can present quite well. And you were pushing yeah, through. You were yeah, getting yeah. on with it. You were turning yeah. up, but you. But it did. Mm. You know, it it did happen. I, I couldn't deny it as well. I mean, mm. I, initially with it, I th I thought you know it was just a migraine. I've never had a migraine in my life. Before then or since, mm. it was bad. And yeah. it was only, you know, a millimetre from, from killing me with the thalamus. I mean, that's deep structure stuff. If and anything awakens up the soul, right? It would mm. be something like that. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm not 100% healed from that. I will have residual stuff. But look, mm. on, on my worst day, I'm about 93%. Yeah. And I don't have worst days. Yeah. You know, or that many of them. I, if I'm really, really tired... Mm. But I do know that my brain just was so desperate to heal itself. Mm. So I, you know, I did what I could as well, you know, take the amino acids and the mm. fish oil, lay off the alcohol, you know. You started yeah. taking care of yourself. I did, I did. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not there fully, but, yeah. you know, I'm getting there. I'm yeah, <laughs> but even things like, yeah, I'm going to take those amino acids. I'm going to do what I need to do to help. Mm. repair my brain, knowing that the brain's uh, that yeah. plasticity now too. I'm so grateful that that you know, what you got taught at 20-something and, yeah. and now knowing, um, we know differently now and yeah. knowing that, that, you know, you can heal. But it sounds like the healing was more than just brain deep, right? Mm. You know, um, mm. just whole self because this was the turning point for you and in shifting and changing things mm. and, and I'm just picking up that there was a shift to care for self. Like, yeah, and, there and has been. So it's, 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 I'm going to do that. Tell me more. Um, <laughs> I, I need to be more congruent with that mm. because, again, I, you know, I haven't looked after myself physically. So, yeah, mm. we're a process in action. And I had to have two cardiac 
ablation. So I'm like, oh, well, that took all my cardiac fitness, didn't it? All the stuff I'd worked mm. up for. Um, but, um, yeah. What changes did you start to make from there that, that you haven't shared already? Just that in terms of that, because you were already disconnected and feeling un unauthentic um, from your work and, and, and particularly the work you were doing at the time and not feeling valued. Yeah, I just wonder what that I think I just sort of started setting up firmer boundaries mm. with some people and, mm. and withdrawing, not, not having to confront people, but just mm. withdrawing from people mm. that I found were sort of kind of draining me. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, that, that level of acceptance, there's this, that sort of um, serenity prayer, you know, there mm. are things I can change and there's some things I can't mm. and that to understand or to have the wisdom to know the difference mm -hmm. and just accepting it that I don't need to be in there to save the day. Mm. I can walk away from it. Mm. So that, but that sort of still continually, it wasn't until just after three years later that I actually did walk away from the career. Okay. Um, mm. Perhaps I should have walked away then and there, but I didn't know, you know, that sort of uncertainty. Mm. I think maybe, if anything, it, it awoke in me to just become much more me, you know, to trust in myself, not trust in what I was known as. You know, identity mm. can be so fluid. Mm. It doesn't have to be so fixed, and I was yeah. really holding on to this fixed idea of, yeah. of it. So while still being in the profession, you were starting to shift and change in terms of how you were relating to that profession as well as other people mm. as well and, mm. and, and connecting with you and, mm. and who you are outside of your profession, you know, that identity is fluid, yeah, mm. not me as the professional or I am the mm. counsellor, the psychologist, the whatever. Um, no, this is Trish. So that was Trisha. Mm. <laughs> that was oh, happening. no, no, actually, I'm, I'm known yeah. as Trish. Trish, that's what you always call me, Trish. Um, but, yeah, so, mm. yeah, like, okay, walking away from the profession was three years later, but you started healing, mm. if I can use that word, through the work you were doing with yourself in that time. Yeah, mm. making these changes, putting boundaries in, acceptance, knowing what you can change, what you, what you couldn't, yeah. um, learning to take care of self and, and who she is outside of this profession yeah, profession. yeah. yeah. i mean i think also you know what we were doing at the quit line is people we are helping people or we were help we were sorry we were helping people to address change yeah that's not only around smoking smoking's only a small part of it you know people can come to it for various reasons and mm. and mm. stay with it so mm. you know you, you can't go let's do a broad change you need to do you know, work work in with the client, follow the client's mm. feedback impeccably. Yeah. Were these kind of principles you were then applying to yourself? Is that what? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. No, but starting to, you know, whilst we're in the midst of taking care of others, and like you said, there wasn't even that awareness of taking care of you, it sounds like there was starting to be a turning point of after the strokes, you know, like of, of applying that to yourself, you knew mm. that making the changes necessary but also going just like we got taught with working mm. with our, our clients at Quitline that, you know, uh, a step-by-step -step gradual because this smoking is just a small bit of their, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. their life and what's going on for them and, and just and being with them, you know, uh, and I think that relates to ourselves. You 
being with ourselves step by step, gradually, gradually, and not pushing the yeah. you know the agenda or whatever. Like yeah. applying the stuff to yourself. Exactly. Like, you know, care being, of you. You know, it's like, hi, my name's Trisha, and I'm incongruent. <laughs> First step is acceptance. <laughs> Acknowledging you know, self. I better, you know, I better get on board. Yeah. And you know, having that sort of wisdom, you know, I could yeah. see that, but it was really I. I think also that I was holding on to sort of like a kind of a deficit mindset, mm. like a poverty mindset of, look, I've got few resources, my dad is, mm. you know, I've got Still this here. and this and this and the family, you know, things had happened. Um, yeah. And I'm like, well, I still felt like I was in the deep end mm-hmm. and treading water and someone's got a pole at the deep end and pushing me down. So I'm just sort of managing the breath of how long I'm going to be pushed down for and going, okay, let's conserve that energy. Okay. Come back up again and let's get pushed down again. And it was, it was that. That's been very hard to break out of. It, okay. um, there's, there was a psychological study. It's absolutely awful study. I think they did it with mice. Okay. And yeah, yeah. they would replicate drowning them to the point of near drowning them. I can't remember the experiment. It's so awful yeah. and so cruel. And it would take them, I think, three minutes to drown, but they wow. would revive them. Okay. Or when they were near, dry, near drowning and they would bring them out. Yeah. Then they'd subject it to them again. Yeah. And they could last three to six hours or eight hours. Wow. So longer each time? Yeah, longer. Under because, those kind of conditions, being yeah, pushed down? Because they'd survived the first one. Mm-hmm. They've somehow got that, you know, let's strive for more oh. it's a terrible experiment but I this is what a but yeah. this uh this is an analogous is to, to to what to was this, happening yeah. for you post stroke yeah. as well with staying yeah. needing to stay in that work for you yeah. there's still things going on pooling resources that uncertainty of your future or work yeah. if you pulled out or yeah. left yeah but that work was still like that pole pull, yeah. pulling you down um, mm. and you were doing your best to look after yourself but the, it, yeah. the pole was the work and just keeping you, um, and yeah, I, And I was you know, kind of like that, you know, the, to the mouse or the, mm. the rat that to near death and let's pull, pull you yeah. out so you're not going to drown and let's, let's subject you to it again but you're going to go longer this time, longer mm. than you'll ever know, you know, a hundred times longer. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I just, well, that, that, that was, yeah. um, I think I was just sort of living on... on on a combination of fear and hope yeah. and hope for something better. I mean, I used to spend my breaks at the quit line. I'd go down, there was a bicycle room there that's mm-hmm. quiet and private. You oh, wouldn't have seen it. No, yeah. hang on, what? I'm like, hey, the bicycle room? Yeah, and you were the breakout room, room but yeah, the bicycle. No, oh, that breakout room was too freezing. <laughs> that's true, I remember that now. But no, there's a bicycle room down in the underground car park. Yeah, and I'd, just, I'd go down there and it was... It, um, it was motion censored, so the light would come on. But mm-hmm. if you just sort of waited it out and stayed in this, stayed stand fixed, it's dark. But I'd just okay. go in there. No one knew I was there, and I could just go, "Get me out of here! How am I going to get out of here? How oh, am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? I need to get out of here." Yeah. So I'd spend almost every break, you know, oh, in you know, ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and measly yeah. half hour for lunch. Yeah, measly yeah. half hour for lunch. If you got that. <laughs> um, but you yeah. were down there and just. Begging, you know, like yeah. you know, bargaining, whatever. Like, how am I going to get out of here? How am yeah, I going to get out yeah, of here? That's yeah. what it was like. I had no idea. I remember how many steps I could count from one part of that bicycle room to the other, mm. and you know, even just trying to get, or I, you know, just to get out of this because mm. I'm 
And was it getting out of the career or was it... A, a, I didn't a, know. Yeah. I, I just, but you just knew you needed yeah. to get out of there. Yeah. But not knowing where there was. Um, or... Yeah, not having that safety net really. Mm. Um, so what? Because you did. I did. I did at 18 what? past 8, I think on the 19th of October, which was a Thursday, mm-hmm. 2018. Yeah. And I had a meeting with my team leader. Mm-hmm. But... Truthfully, I had removed everything two weeks earlier. I'd, I'd cleaned out my, my okay. drawer or desk or whatever you have. Yeah, yeah. I'd cleaned it out two weeks earlier. Okay. So when she said, look, why don't you just take stress leave and I'm, you know, you can take it. I'm going, can I take it now? Mm-hmm. And she goes, yep. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I grabbed my water bottle mm-hmm. and I left. And at the time you didn't have... A safety plan or anything? No, but no, no. I, I needed to apply for a super to, mm. to withdraw from yeah. Yeah. under stress leave. Yes, I'm familiar, yeah, familiar with that um, um, option and, yeah. and, and going there, but that's another process. But that, but you still left with all that uncertainty. Yeah, and, left. And no real, a bit of a safety net, but, you know, like that's still a huge courageous move. But, yeah. And it sounds like an necessary one at the time considering the analogy you just used before as well yeah I I just had to it was Mm. it felt like a relief I remember Mm, walking to my car you know at at night Mm. and going okay we'll just do it you know just like I mean I shared with you um before we started this yeah yeah how I I did that um track or that trek oh yes and I had no idea it was just a really a fork (laughs) in the road moment going oh you took the right. Yeah, I'll take the right. Everyone's <laughs> taking the left. I'll take the right and just ex- extend myself and be like, oh, what am I going to learn here? What's behind door number three? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a bit like, or was like that, yeah. leaving leaving your last job, your last, you know. Yeah. That, um, leaving my career. Leaving your career. Yeah, that's what yeah. I want. Thank you. Yeah, um, a... Was that right turn? Yeah. <laughs> was that... Everyone else is taking the left, but I'm taking the right, and no, I'm not quite sure what that's going to be. But I'm, I'm not quite it. sure. But I do, you know, I but do you felt have relief. Yeah, yeah, I felt relief, but also I do trust myself. Ah, so that was something that helped in that moment, or helped yeah. in those moments later as well, that you do innately trust yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I've, it's so I've um, it again. I didn't land on my feet. It's not a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still a bit of struggle and. Actually, quite a bit of struggle, but yeah. I work within what I've got. I've changed my career. Um, wow. I wouldn't say I've done a 180 on it. I've pivoted. Mm. And I've, I've pivoted because I wanted to be flexible to do that. I wanted to flex. Yeah. I wanted, you know, I think it's also healthy to flex. Mm. Um, mm. Not do it out of being reactionary, mm. but that's just sort of, there's other skills I have. Mm-hmm. There's other things I can do. Mm-hmm. And, and in the, you know, what does... There's that quote by Shakespeare. Um, is it life's but a walking shadow? A, a poor player who struts and frets their hour upon the stage. It is a tale told by a fool, full of rage and fury, signifying mm. nothing. I, I'm not sure if I've got it quite right, mm. but it was like mm. this is my ego, mm. you know, that's clinging onto this career. Okay, you know, yeah. I'm strutting and fretting my act upon. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm you know that's the stage and it's nothing it's just full of rage and fury and it's there's more to me than this Mm. there's more to me than this ego you know I can flex I can change and and you know why not why not sort of 
put, put myself out there. Mm. I, I've, sometimes when I've been the most vulnerable, that's as lying on a bloody hospital gurney, mm. not knowing because I can't feel my left hand. Mm. And, you know, am I going to die? And I'm like, what mm. the hell am I going to do? You know, it's, it's, I doesn't, don't mm. want it to end this way. Yeah. But when you've been at your most vulnerable, it mm. seems like there was something else apart to that, like that that's mm. when you've, like, been able to change or, or, or where you've got to learn about yourself. I don't know. Like, I think it's that's what yeah. more I've got to learn about myself, myself, that I've got sort of deeper reserves or deeper, mm. something deeper But there's there. more to me, there's more to... Yeah. Yeah, it, it's gotten you to, more, to more, deeper levels. Or, mm. or more to me than face, that just strutting upon mm. my act upon the stage. You yeah. know, there's more to me than face yeah. and rep, reputation and, you know, mm. it, it's nothing. You know, let, let's be stronger and flex. Mm. Mm. Um, I wasn't going to win that battle. Um, I was feeling devalued and ultimately discarded. Mm. And that's been a bit of a blow. Yeah. Um, but I'm getting over it. Yeah. But there was that trauma as well in the experience, you know, mm. uh, to walk away from a career just with in relation to how it fits for you as a person, but then you compound that with the work, workplace mm. relationship mm. And, mm. and how that's impacted and how they've interacted with you. I mean, that just adds to the trauma of that experience you know and everyone's experience is different of course but I know workplace factors workplace environments can play a huge role in burnout vicarious trauma and compassion fatigue and it compounds it there's there's Mm. plenty of there's plenty of energy there Mm. for me to identify as a victim of that Mm. but I can't Mm. because it's not going to get me anywhere yeah yeah if I play the victim and and Mm. believe me there's a bit of energy for that (laughs) you know I can I can pull up those reserves pretty quickly you know they're they're fairly accessible but I don't want that for me that's Mm. not what I want my life Mm. that's not what I'm that's not it Mm. that's not it you know Mm. what am I going to write on my she yeah. was a damn good victim. I'm like, you know. <laughs> she pushed through that career and kept going. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not my story. Not, yeah. And it, and it's yeah. same as like, you know, for other people, it's, you know, we're all, we're deeper than we know. And, um, more capable, more capable, capable than we know, stronger yeah. than we know. And Strong. those vulnerable moments where we, and when we take leaps like you did mm. too, um, that where we actually come to learn that mm. as well. Um, I, I, I think as well. And I mean, you, you mentioned there you, I mean, you did take the leap and you pivoted. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just wondering if you could share with us what, what you do do now. Um, right. It's, it's a I, niche area. Yeah. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm very interested in this area. In shameless yeah. plug. <laughs> um, so what I've done now is, is I'm a genetic genealogist. It's something I've been doing actually for the last five years. I'd, I'd already done the family tree and I'd helped my mum and my gran and, for over 25 years mm. ago, and I've done that, and it was fun. Mm. But using wow. the DNA now, so you see all those ancestry tests mm. or, or 23andMe, they can help really resolve some big brick walls in mm. your in your family background, depending on what you want to know. Mm. So I help people who were adopted mm-hmm. or donor conceived, mm-hmm. or they don't know who one of their parents is. We call it an NPE and mm-hmm. parental, or sometimes non-paternal event. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, it, it can have other uses now to helping identify um, remains from, mm. from 
um, tragic, you know, from, from war as well. Yeah. It's got mm. such great scope. All law enforcement are using it now. That's more investigative genetic genealogy. Mm. We're not really using it here in Australia so much. But helping with cold cases when mm. there's evidence. Yeah. Uh, or missing persons. Mm. Yeah. So, I, as you said, you've pivoted because there's pivoted. still that... That, that helping others. Um, but what, what do you find that, that – because you mentioned there with what you lost with your, your previous career as a helping as – a, as a counsellor, as a social worker, mental health practitioner, that you didn't feel authentic with it in the end, you know, there was a disconnection. How are you feeling with this, with what you're doing now? Well, like, what's that things, connection like? I know, and it's all – actually, it's even on paper because, believe me, I have to be painstaking. Yeah. You know, it, it is. It's helping people. Look – but how do you feel with it, like I that mean, connection I, for yourself? Like, yeah. yeah, is there a change there for you? Is there, yeah? I, feel, I do feel empowered, mm. but I'm also there because the client's journey, because they're the most mm. vulnerable. This is their story, and mm. I need to show, I mean, as mm. much respect and appreciation. I need to, you know, I, I do. Mm. And because often it can, be, it can be challenging. Thank goodness I do have that background. So, mm. I'm, you know, mm. I haven't sort of you know, swipe that to the side, I'm bringing that with me. Yeah, um, it's a strength that yeah, you're yeah. able to bring to this work that allows yeah. you to be able to be respectful and empathic and, and compassionate towards these people that you work with now and help in this journey, yeah. Because it, it, it also mm. is a sense, their identity, because, mm. I, you know, they may not know. Mm. I have, I've worked with people who are adopted. They mm. have no idea. Mm. We work through it. Mm. You know, sometimes it's, it's really can be really challenging. Mm. Um, you know, one client, we realised that he was one of several children, mm. but he was the only one who was adopted. But wow. the circumstances of that were that, you know, poverty and it was mm -hmm. a closed adoption organised by the do doctor who delivered him. Mm -hmm. And that the loss and grief that that created in that family, they had mm. several more kids after him. Oh, wow. But as it was, he kind of had a easier... He okay. wasn't exposed to the poverty that they were. Yeah. So, wow. you know, how do you reconcile mm. that? Because that's part of your identity of this. And then suddenly, mm. oh, I'm part of this. Mm. And I have siblings in double figures. Yeah. And I was the only one given up. So mm. it, it helps... So yeah. There's another story there. It's another layer. It's yeah. just, it's different. Yeah. But it's allied to my values still. Yeah, I hear that. I yeah. hear that. And how? And this might sound, but I'm wondering how you know, the soul, Trisha's yeah. soul, feels in this work space now. Like, oh, no. I'll have to ring her up. That's <laughs> <laughs> a question for another time. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel a sense of gratification. Yeah. Of, well, there's a gratification, but I said actually. I need to reframe. I feel a sense of gratitude for the client mm. trusting me on this and trusting me to help them understand mm. themselves mm. where they came from. Mm. And I know there's some some of the stories. It, it's not mm. the best. Mm. That's I, I I've named my company and again excuse oh, the shameless plug. It's called Lotus Genealogy Solutions. Now mm. I know Lotus is banded around quite a bit. I've used it. On that uh, saying, and I, I always can't pronounce his name right correctly. The Buddhist monk, Tintaknan. Mm. Oh. I'm terrible with pronunciations, I'm but really, I think Tin. Yeah, I'm really terrible. I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> sure people. Like, <laughs> but but I loved his his quote. You know, no mud, no lotus. 
Mm. The only good thing to come out of the mud is the lotus, and sometimes that is our DNA story. It is messy, mm -hmm. it is muddy, it mm -hmm. is mired in stuff, mm. but still, yeah, anyway. It's lotus. No, I think there's something beautiful. I know with um, work, um, yeah. works that I've done with clients that they've related to that lotus. You know, yeah. Without the mud, there is no lotus, so yeah. it helps them or in this um, frame, I suppose, helps them be able to engage in therapy because mm. therapy can be very, very, yeah. very messy. Um, yeah. uh, but out of it can um, come lotus. Um, yeah. And sometimes we're back in the mud again and then we're around the lotus. And, yeah, I think it's a very um, relatable and, and um, yeah. uh, uh, metaphor. It's um, a metaphor. Yeah, yeah. It's a metaphor. <laughs> hey, Trish, I was just wondering, just we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll finish up, and, yeah. and I just wonder if there's any wisdom that, that you haven't imparted already in sharing your story. No, and, and I think this is why I'm doing you know, a different kind of gap year is that in sharing each other's mm. stories and, and your willingness mm. and bravery today to come here and share this with us, um, we can learn so much off each other just yeah. by sharing our stories. But I'm wondering if there's anything, and, and you, in what you shared today, there's so many brilliant um, pearlers there and, and wisdom mm. that, to help help others out there that may be or have or are or will um, mm. struggle with this one day. Um, but is there anything else that you'd like to leave with any wisdoms, uh, learnings, reflections? Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, I know, big question. I'm, it's just going to sound like a platitude, and I don't mean it or cliched. It's mm. not that, but I think, again, you know, again, Shakespeare, but, but to thine own self be true, just to, you know, to be true to yourself. Mm. If you don't feel congruent and... Yeah. I mean, sometimes you don't have what it, you know. All your ducks aren't, you know, in a mm. row. Sometimes there's no ducks at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no row. There's no ducks. There's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> there's mud. But you know, maybe trust yourself. I, mm. Again, I don't have it figured out. I'm mm. financially, yeah, it's tough. And yeah. you know, let's 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 go and operate a business in a pandemic. But hey, at least I can I can do it remotely. It's online. <laughs> COVID safe as I've, I've started to um, COVID say safe. about online things. We're COVID safe. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm COVID safe. Yeah, but um, be true to yourself. Be authentic to yourself. Even. Yeah. It's it's scary. Not every yeah, like you said, I haven't got it all together. Um, I struggle financially. It's, mm -hmm. But that be true to yourself. I as you mm. said that, I, I must admit, just the body, like just that goosebumps mm. because it spoke. Like I, I think when I get goosebumps, it's speaking to my soul. And yeah. My soul's like, yeah, that's right. That's, <laughs> I don't always live that, but that's right. Well, nothing like a nice little mm. sort of psychosomatic, you know? Yeah, yeah, experience. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's really no, so true. Be true. But it is. But it, but mm. it is. I don't have any control on that. I, um, mm. But at least I'm. I've, I've got a foundation that mm. I do trust. Mm. It needs some, you know, a bit of work at times, and that's okay. Mm. Um, yeah. You, it was. It, it did feel a bit like an epiphany, but then it didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I've been looking for epiphanies. You know, that that can be sort of quite powerful things mm, mm. but I would not want to have that epiphany of lying on a hospital gurney I, yeah it doesn't have to be that yeah <laughs> yeah and I mean mine mine wasn't um, <laughs> um, but whatever it is for you whatever that kind of turning point or, or, or connection there mm. uh, awakening whatever you want to call it to listen to yourself mm. and be true to what you're hearing and mm. Um, and try and walk, walk that journey, walk that step, um, whatever it might be, a big epiphany, a little bit, mm. like a little spark. 
um, so hard to be true to ourselves that I think that's really good mm-hmm. um, advice is the wrong word but wisdom you know just wisdom yeah. to impart you know to, to our audience out there and um, I suppose I just want to say now just thank you very much again in you know but my heart, you know, um, is just full with gratitude for your your willingness to be my first guest as well, <laughs> which you. I forgot to mention earlier. My first guest on a uh, different kind of gap year. Yeah. I mean, everyone got to hear my story with the first one. Um, so you'll always be down in history as the, I, as I, the first guest. I, I like that. I, I will take that. Um, but thank yeah. you really yeah. from the bottom of my heart um, for coming oh. here today and sharing your story. Oh, thanks, Shan. Uh, and, and look, thank mm. you for creating a safe space. You can't see, but mm. Hannah, oh. Shannon's dog, is, is, yeah. is, is sort of at our feet in between yes. and she's pretty chilled. And it's, yeah. it, but I've been, I felt really supported and, and, you know, strengthened and, you know, that this is a safe environment, even though the, that's going out to the world, but, you know, I'm, I'm cool with it. Oh. it I'm not on, it's not going to cause me shame. And I think that's the thing. I, I refuse to, there's, there's not going to be mm. a shame spiral out of this. No. I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm still mm. here. And, you, you know, if anything, you just, yeah, mm. do it if, if you can. Do, yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah. I remember, I think it was Brene Brown yeah. um, who shared that I think the first step of breaking a shame spiral is to speak. Yeah. and to share and I think what you're also sharing there is is sharing it with another where you feel safe mm. and that's something you'll only know and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that I uh, am able to provide that safe space for you yeah. too because yeah I mean sometimes we can share our story with people who aren't able maybe not mm. meaning to but aren't a safe space to fall so to say to express yourself and that can reshame us um, yeah, yeah, but exactly. when it's a safe space like this it, it um, is. It is. Yeah. And Hannah, yes, uh, um, the well, Hannah, um, untrained the, therapy dog. <laughs> Hannah, the authenticator. She yeah. If she's she's just fast asleep. Yeah. But it is it, mm. to to be supported, mm. to mm. to share my story, um, and and you've created that, and mm. and that's that. Yeah. That whole my pleasure. That whole vibes here. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to a different kind of Gap Year podcast episode two. Please comment, like, share to your heart's content. We'd love to receive this feedback. And if you have a story to share on your mental health at work, contact me through my website, www.adifferentkindofgapyear.com. I would love to chat more with you. Until next episode, take care of you.